Here's a five-foot-two package from home, Judy Garland. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year all our troubles will be out of And now may I present one of the most charming and talented members of Hollywood's younger generation, soon to be seen in The Wizard of Oz, MGM singing sensation Miss Judy Garland. It was like a breath of spring, I heard a robin sing, about her nest set apart, all nature seemed to be. Hey everyone, this is Mindy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Old Time Radio. Next in our Judy Garland series is her appearance on Good News of 1938 on May 5th, 1938. In this episode, they had Meredith Wilson. Fanny Bryce is back as Baby Snooks. She has a, a little skit, and it's not nearly as annoying to me either. I've gotten used to her, or <laughs> it's just a better use of her character this time. Uh, it's I thought it was sort of entertaining. But then we have Robert Taylor, Frank Morgan, and then Clark Gable. And the only bad thing about having Clark Gable on a radio show is we don't really get to see him. So <laughs> feel free to pull up a picture and, you know, watch that as you listen. I'm sure the combination would be lovely. Uh, and Clark's on here doing a reenactment of some scenes from Manhattan Melodrama, which came out in 1934. And he reprises his role as Blackie Gallagher. And maybe everybody else knows but me, but I thought it was interesting that that movie was actually the one John Dillinger had walked out of when federal agents ambushed him and shot him dead. And John Dillinger being the gangster and bank robber from the 30s, really famous criminal. So it was this Manhattan melodrama is forever linked to one of the most famous or notorious murders in American history. Anyway, to Judy Garland, which is why we're all here. She again has three songs that she's singing. The first one is a really stirring patriotic number called God's Country, which I mean, it's, you know, patriotic music can be fantastic or it could be kind of hokey or it could be somewhere in the middle. And I, I thought this was really sweet and energetic and has a great kind of love of country that totally fits her personality and style. So I really enjoyed that one. The second one was How Deep is the Ocean, which is written by Irving Berlin. And what I found somewhat funny, it's a beautiful song, but what I found funny was it's about mothers. And I think most people know that Judy's mother, Ethel, happened to be maybe unfairly portrayed or remembered as a notorious stage mother and kind of pushed Judy quite a bit and didn't always look out for her. There's some kind of revisionist history that's alleged that maybe it really wasn't that bad and Judy remembered it poorly because it was how memories could be, particularly when you're a child and you lose your father at such a young age. Uh, apparently, she claimed that her mother had an affair with a family friend before her father died. Her mother was instrumental in keeping Judy dressed as a child much longer than Judy felt comfortable and she loathed her stepfather, really resented having to live with him at all. And she ended up hiding romantic relationships from her mother because her mother thought that would damage her career and so would 
constantly lecture her about her selection of paramours. <laughs> so rebellious Judy just saw them anyway. And, uh, you know, kind of always nagged her about her weight, trying to keep her, her weight down. And she kind of credits her mother for being involved in all of the issues that gave her the insecurities that she had her entire life. So if you believe Judy's side of it, that's where all the animosity with her mother comes in. So anyway, this song about mothers is probably, <laughs> Judy's probably not singing about her own, playing the actress in that one. Um, but the third song was Schubert's Serenade. She has a male chorus with her. And this one, to me, it's one of, Judy is a very talented, or was a very talented singer. We all know that. It, to me, this showed how technical of a singer she could be because it's very restrained. It's very measured. It's, it's gorgeous the she uses her voice in a in a way that i don't remember hearing in any other song that she sang and it it just flows so beautifully it blends with the chorus it blends with the instruments and it there's this beautiful ebb and flow of and it's just a gorgeous gorgeous recording and i i hope you enjoy that one because it it comes near the very end and it just it's absolutely beautiful during the time of this broadcast she was filming listen darling and that was just a rushed movie that MGM threw together while they waited for The Wizard of Oz to become to be put into productions. And her co-star, Mary Astor, was quoted as saying something I thought was rather cute. Um, she said, quote, Working with Judy was sheer joy. She was young and vital and got the giggles regularly. You just couldn't get annoyed because she couldn't help it. It was no act. Something would strike her funny and her face would get red and there goes Judy would be the cry. And we just had to wait until she got over it. She was a kid a real kid, end quote. So that's kind of a nice feel-good <laughs> testimonial of kind of what you saw on the screen and heard on the radio. That was totally what was going on behind the scenes, too, at that time. So again, another great trio of songs from Judy and a great reenactment of scenes from Manhattan melodrama. I really enjoyed this episode. I hope you do, too. And now Meredith Wilson opens the doors of our concert hall and invites you to listen to another in his series of the world's most beloved melodies. In the past few weeks, you've heard, among others, the world's most beloved piano selection, violin solo, and lullaby. Tonight, with Judy Garland, our solo violinist, Margaret Hedges, and the Max Terre Choristers, Meredith presents the world's most beloved serenade, the serenade written by the immortal Franz Schubert. <laughs>
Coffee presents Good News of 1938. Another hour behind the scenes in Hollywood, brought to you by Maxwell House Coffee from Metro Goldwyn Mayer home of the screen's greatest stars. So imagine yourself with us on Metro's Stage 30, where tonight you will meet Una Merkel, Lawrence Rice, your old friends Fanny Bryce and Hanley Stafford, Frank Morgan, Judy Garland, Robert Young, tonight's guest of honor, Clark Gable, and Meredith Wilson, who starts our program with Old Mama. Maestro raises his baton, gives the downbeat, and we're off. Mama, dear, come over here and see who's looking in my window. It's the butcher boy, and oh, he's got a bundle in his hand. Hey, Marie, I got it the pork chop. Hey, Marie, I got it the lamb chop. Hey, Marie, oh, yes? you want to marry me? A vive la France. The butcher boy, the butcher boy, I want to marry the butcher boy. Oh, mama, oh, get that man for me. Oh, mama, a
If your life is all wrong, stand up 
is no time for worrying. Stand up and give up with a song. Hi there, neighbors, go in my way. East or west on the Lincoln Highway. Hi there, Yankee, give up with a great big thank you. You're in God's country. You're in God's country. A hundred million rooters can't be wrong, so give a hand, give a hand, give a cheer for your land. Where smiles are broader, freedom greater. Every man is his own dictator. Hi there, Yankee, give up with a great big thank you. You're in God's Your car with what it takes and drive around the nation. Leave your troubles all behind, dust off your machinery. Sweep those cobwebs off your mind and view this nation's scenery. Turn your faces to the east, watch a lovely sunrise. Fill your soul with morning sun, there is work that must be done. You will find it lots of fun if you... Well, she saw because of the lecture I gave her on economy this afternoon. I hate to say this about my own wife, Bob, but I've never seen such an extravagant woman. She squanders every penny I make. 
Frank, I know your wife, and she's a very sound-thinking, sensible woman. Well, that's what I say. Isn't it awful? I mean, I told her this afternoon, if she doesn't stop spending money like she does, she'll ruin me. Yes, sir. I really raised the roof. And what was the result? I'm giving up cigars. Hmm? I mean... (laughs) She's giving up... Oh, you're getting me all mixed up, Bob. I don't know where I'm... Well, why don't you stop complaining about your wife? Uh, You're the one who should save money. Me? Bob, have you any idea what I've been doing lately? Uh, must I guess? Now, now, wait a minute. This is serious, Bob. I've been making a study of myself. Oh, loafing again, huh? Why not? What? (laughs) Oh, Bob. I mean it. I've looked at myself from all angles, and I find that I'm a very unusual man. Well, I could have told you that myself, Frank. You could? Why, certainly, although I don't think unusual is quite the word. I think odd is a little closer. (laughs) Yes, well, you're just a little jealous, Bob, because you know that, after all, the woman appeal on this program is Frank Morgan. Hmm. Uh, What's this all about, Frank? Well, I feel that being a man about town, a raconteur, bon vivant, a bit of a rake and a gadabout, it's silly for me to give away my company for nothing. Uh, Well, I uh, still gather no sense from what you're talking about. Well, in short, I'm going to open a personal escort service. A personal... Oh, Morgan the Gigolo. Oh, well, now, don't be old-fashioned, Bob. A Gigolo escorts a lady simply for the money that's in it. But I work on a different principle. My motto is, ladies, your pleasure is my business. And business is a pleasure. Wow! (laughs) I think I've got a better slogan for you, Frank. Morgan's personal escort service. Don't let a dull, dim-witted, dopey escort bore you all evening, ladies. Let Frank Morgan do it. Yes, well, why not? (laughs) After all, what has Clark Gable got that I won't be able to use in my business? Uh, No, 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 no. Don't tell me you've got Clark Gable mixed up in this goofy proposition. Why, Bob Gable is the natural for this thing. He's one of the few men who have that certain Morgan savoir-faire. I've made him vice president, and I'll rent out his services and escort for $10 an evening. With tuxedo, $12.50. I'll make money hand over fist. Vive la France! (laughs) Uh, Morgan, uh, have you consulted Gable about this? No, but won't Gable be surprised when he wakes up in the morning and sees the ads in the paper? Yes, and won't (laughs) you be surprised when you wake up in the hospital? (laughs) You better get somebody else for your special escort service. Well, who would you suggest? Well, how about uh, Meredith Wilson? Uh, oh, Wilson. Do you think he's good? Yes, I, uh, think so. Well, you know the old saying, Au royaume des aveugles, les bons sont rois. <laughs> oh, dear, was that... Well, Wilson, <laughs> that's all... Uh... Bob, do you know anything about women? Well, I'm married. <laughs> Don't evade the question. <laughs> I'll get it. Hello? Hello, is this the personal escort service? Uh, just a moment. It's for you, Tarzan. Oh. oh. My first customer. Hello? Morgan's personal escort service, head escort speaking. This is Gwendolyn LaForge. Mm-hmm. I would like to hire Clark Gable for my escort tonight. I'm so lonesome. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Mr. Gable isn't available tonight, Gwendolyn, but I've got a real thrill for you. I think I might be able to get you Frank Morgan. How's that? No, no, thanks. I'd rather be lonesome by myself. Uh, what'd you say, Frank? Uh, how do you like that? She wants Gable. I offer her a barrel of flour and she wants a biscuit. If I didn't know that old saying, the customer's always right, I'd swear that Gwendolyn was nuts. <laughs> 
You know, most men are pretty particular about coffee. They know a good cup of coffee when they taste one. Maybe they don't always say so when they don't like the coffee, but they're pretty apt to declare themselves when they do like it. Guess most wives realize that. So I just wonder if something like this hasn't happened to you. After your husband has left for the office in the morning, you've discovered he's left his coffee cup still half full. You wonder about it, because you know he's always been fond of coffee. Now then, maybe that very night you and he met downtown for dinner, and with a dessert, he said... Ah, this coffee's grand, Madge. I think I'll have another cup. Oh, waiter, another cup of coffee, please. And there you have it. So if by any chance your husband has been a little half-hearted lately in his enjoyment of the coffee you're serving, I think I can help you. Here's my suggestion. Try Maxwell House coffee. There's coffee I'm pretty sure he'll really like. A blend that's so extra smooth, so really mellow in flavor, so roaster-rich in full-bodied goodness. It's got everything a man looks for in his cup of coffee. Everything that'll bring him back for a second cup. Get a pound of Maxwell House coffee tomorrow. Serve it at breakfast and dinner. See if you both don't agree that this is delicious coffee. Coffee with that friendly stimulation that buoys you up and never lets you down. Meredith Wilson's Strictly on Merit Orchestra will now play I Believe in Miracles. Yes, and here I am to prove it. Morgan, the miracle man with the ladies. Now, wait a minute, Frank. Are you going to start with that special escort business again? Well, why not, Wilson? After all, remember, you're talking to Morgan, the great authority on love. Oh, well, come around sometime and take a few lessons. You're going to give me lessons? (laughs) (laughs) Me, Wilson... The Don Juan of Paris. Please, a chance, please say la même chose. Oh, no. In plain English, everybody calls me Cupid. Oh, I know that. You know everybody calls me Cupid? Oh, Cupid. Oh, I thought you said stupid. (laughs) Go away, Frank. Thank you. 
Into each life, a little rain must fall. But when Snooks was born, it really poured. Tonight, we find baby Snooks and her daddy, played by Hanley Stafford, seated at a table in a railroad station restaurant, grabbing a pre-trained snack. Enter now that terrible, tantalizing tot, baby Snooks. Take off your coat, Snooks, and I'll hang it up right here next to daddy. All right. Hey. Now, let's eat in a hurry. What's that sign on the wall, Daddy? Oh, that's an old-fashioned sign they used to hang in restaurants. It says, watch your hat and coat. I'll watch them, Daddy. Oh, never mind that. Just sit down. And no stalling with your food. We only have five minutes to catch the train. Where are we going, Daddy? Oh, I've told you a dozen times we're going to visit Grandma. Oh. Why are all those people eating here? Well, they have to catch a train, too. The same train we have to catch? Yes, I guess so. It's going to be awful crowded at Grandma's, ain't it? They're not going to Grandma's. Now, give me that menu and I'll order a quick bite. From who? From the waitress. If she bites me, I'll bite her back. I'm talking about food. Now, sit still. Oh, miss. Yes, sir? I'll have a chicken sandwich and a glass of beer. Bring the little girl lettuce and tomato salad and some milk. Yes, sir, right away. I don't want no milk, Daddy. Oh, you have to drink milk, Snooks. It'll make you big and strong. What are you going to drink? A glass of beer. That's what I want. <laughs> uh, don't be silly. You can't have beer. Why? Because it'll make you dizzy. And stop squirming in your seat. I'm looking to see if the coach is still there, Daddy. Now, don't you be foolish. Tuck that napkin in your neck. Now, here comes the food. Here you are, sir. Oh, thanks. Now, go ahead and eat your salad, Snooks. I want some bananas. They don't have any bananas. Yes, they have right there, hanging on a stick. You can't have those bananas. They're still green. I like them. I know it, but they're not right. Why? Because they're green. Then I want some beer. No, it'll make you dizzy. Now, eat your lettuce. I don't want lettuce. The lettuce is no good. Well, why not? Because it's green. Well, what of it? Well, if it's green, it ain't right. Oh, stop that nonsense. Of course it's right. You said bananas ain't right when they're green. I know I did. Then why is lettuce right when it's green? Because that's the color of lettuce when it's ripe. Well, what's the color of it when it ain't ripe? Green! It's green when it's ripe and it's green when it's not ripe. Did you drink some beer, Daddy? Yes. Did it make you dizzy? No. Now hurry up and eat your salad or we'll miss the train. All right. Daddy! What? I just eat my tomatoes. I don't want the lettuce. Snooks, don't make me yell at you in front of all these people. You simply must eat the lettuce. Why? Because it's full of vitamins. What's vitamins? It's something in your food that gives it the necessary nutriment value. That plate of lettuce has millions of vitamins. I don't see any. I know you don't, but they're in there just the same. You can't see them, you can't taste them, you can't feel them, and you can't smell them. But if they weren't there, you wouldn't be here. Are you sure you ain't dizzy, Daddy? <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Now eat that lettuce before I shove it down your throat. Ah! Now what's the matter? I'm afraid of the vitamins. <laughs> oh, listen, Snooks. All food has vitamins. And each vitamin has a name. Can I call this one Charlie? <laughs> no. They're called A, B, C, D, E, and G. Where's F? There is no F vitamin. Just A, B, C, D, E, and G. Now eat your food. We haven't got much time left. 
Oh, where's that clock? Right behind you, Daddy. Hmm. Oh, good heavens, there's only two minutes left and... Snooks, what happened to your lettuce? Huh? Now, you didn't have time to eat it. I just turned my head for a second. Did you hide it? No. Then where is it? The vitamins ate it. <laughs> oh, what's the use? Drink your milk and let's get out of here. All right. Now, wait, don't gulp it so fast. Snooks, you'll get sick. Snooks. I finished it, Daddy. There you see, now you have the hiccups. Oh. <laughs> you drank the milk so fast. <laughs> now stop laughing there. I can't. My stomach tickles me. <laughs> oh, here, take a little sugar. That'll make the hiccups go away. All right. <laughs> oh, swallow it. Now drink a little water and hold your breath while I count five. Now here. One, two, three, four. <laughs> I told you to hold your breath while I counted five. Ah! What's the matter? I have my breath and the hiccups pushed it out. Well, drink some more water and hold your breath this time. Now, here. One, two, three, four, five. There. Now, let your breath out. Don't! Oh, let the water out, too. You see, you blew it all over me. I'm sorry, Daddy. Oh, well. Are the hiccups gone? Uh-huh. Are you sure? Uh-huh. It's better now. <laughs> it came back again, Daddy. Oh, my heavens. Snoop! Huh? Boom! Boom! <laughs> what are you doing, Daddy? I'm trying to scare you. Boom! Nothing of the kind. Uh, never mind, miss. Everything's all right. Yes, sir. Oh, what's the matter with you, Snooks? You know very well I was only trying to cure... <laughs> <laughs> now, you got him, Daddy. It's all your fault. <laughs> Give me that sugar. Snooks, do you hear me? <laughs> what are you twisting around for? It's the only way I can wash my coat. Well, stop it. <laughs> you don't see me washing my coat. You don't have to. <laughs> Some man took it five minutes ago. <laughs> Thank you, Fanny. Say, Bob, have you tried that coffee you hear so much about? I think it's Maxwell House, and I think it's on the radio. Yes, Frank, it's Maxwell House, and this is the Maxwell House program. Oh, is it? Mm. Oh, of course, yes. <laughs> oh, it is, isn't it? Silly of me. Well, anyhow, I've got a grand idea for you. An idea, Frank? Well, let's have it. Well, why don't we take time out right here on this program sometime, just long enough to have a cup of Maxwell House coffee? Isn't that an idea? Yes, Frank, that is an idea. In yeah. fact, it's so good an idea that folks have been enjoying that custom of a steaming cup of fragrant Maxwell House coffee on these Thursday evenings now for the past six years. They have? <laughs> coffee cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends, it's time right now for that friendly custom. So we're inviting all of you, everyone here and those of you listening to good news in your homes, to join us in a cup of this coffee that's good to the last drop. Meredith, let's have some of that good music that goes with it. We now pause briefly for station identification. You're listening to KFI Los Angeles. 
This is Bob Young again, and we continue our good news of 1938 with Judy Garland, Meredith Wilson, and the Concert Hall, Una Merkel, Florence Rice, and Clark Gable. Several years ago, Clark made his first long stride towards stardom in MGM's great picture, Manhattan Melodrama. Tonight, with the aid of Florence Rice and myself, Clark turns back the pages of Hollywood history to reenact one of his most beloved roles, Blackie Gallagher. I present him now, Clark Gable. Now, a brief synopsis leading up to our scene tonight, please. Manhattan Melodrama is the story of two great friends and a girl. Blackie Gallagher, played by Clark Gable, and Jim Wade, played by Bob Young. They grew up together in New York's east side. As kids, Blackie fought Jim's fights. But when Blackie fell off a burning excursion boat, it was Jim who dove into the river to try and save him. Jim Wade was a scholarly kid. Blackie Gallagher liked to play. He was always lucky at dice or tricking his friends as a gag. At the death of their parents, a kindly old man adopted the both of them. Blackie saw his beloved foster father killed in a riot by the hooves of police horses. He swore he'd get even with cops. Jim went to law school, became assistant district attorney. Blackie opened a gambling house. Worlds apart, they remain dear friends. Let us look into Blackie Gallagher's gambling house now. The police have just finished a mock raid as Blackie's girlfriend, Eleanor, played by Florence Rice, enters his private office. Hello, Blackie. Oh, hi, honey. Say, wait till you hear this. I got a present for you. A yacht. A yacht? Yeah. One at betting out and even with a fellow. Let's go look it over, huh? Thanks. You're getting better all the time. Some night you'll win somebody's aunt in a dice game. Huh? Say, snap out of it, baby. The man wanted to gamble and I won, that's all. Sure, that's all. That's all it amounts to you, Blackie. Everything in life can be paid off in chips. A yacht. But someone dreamed about and thought about and planned. And built. And I won it on the bet. And I think it's rotten. Rotten through and through. What is? Oh, everything about this place. The way you won that boat. That ridiculous raid you just had, you knew the police were coming. And they knew I knew they were coming, and I knew they knew... Oh, work it out yourself. Oh, it's a silly, stupid farce, and it's not funny. Yeah, well, it pays off in dollar bills, baby, and that's what counts. That's what buys those pretty green things you wear on your ears, and those shiny rings you got, and those... Oh, who wants them? I'm not in love with car chase. I'm in love with you. Blackie, get out of it. Take me out of it. Come here. In my arms. But Blackie... Shut up. Oh, please, Blackie, listen. Shut up. Oh, dearest, let's... Let's go look at the yacht. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's a grand yacht, Blackie. Let's sit down here. Yeah, okay. Oh, it's so lovely and restful. Yeah, you're lovely and not so restful. Night like this and a place like this, they're real, Blackie. They're beautiful, they're clean, they... Don't they do something to you inside? Yeah, you bet. Darling, listen. Now that you've got this boat, let's go away on it. To the South Seas, the Orient, the Mediterranean, wherever we want to. And we'll have quiet, peaceful days and, and nights like this one. Yeah, that'd be dandy. We could work out hundreds of crossword puzzles and play double canvas. Oh, be serious, Blackie. Take this chance. Get away from those cheap hoodlums that hang around you like so many flies. Flies. 
some grass rackets gambling house. Yeah, now, wait a minute. This is me. That's what you've got. That's what you fell in love with. Well, you're wrong. I fell in love with a very little boy who was playing with a great box of matches. And I don't want my little boy to get burned. Come here, honey. He's going to get burned, and he's going to love it. Kiss me. No, don't, Blackie. Hey, what's got into you tonight? Oh, it's not tonight. It's every night. Worrying about you, wondering about you, hating everything you do, hating everyone you see. Now I know you're going to kiss me. Oh, Blackie. <laughs> oh, say, I got tickets for the knockout Hogan-Tony Perino fight next week. How about it? Okay, Blackie. Hey, Blackie! Jim! Why, Why you Jim, so what are you doing up here with all these low-class people? I haven't seen a fight since you and I cleaned up on the O'Malley brothers. Remember, Blackie? Oh, do I? Tell me, is Knockout Hogan as good as you? What? Never seen Hogan? No. Hey, I'll have you meet him sometime. Nice guy. If I'd known you could have come, I'd have made my girl stay home. She's in there waiting for me. Hey, where are you sitting? Uh, section 19, row double J. Boy, that's practically in Yonkers. Here, you take my ticket. Get a good look at Hogan. No, thanks. But I wish I had your influence. Where are you? I don't know, but it better be good. Yeah, same old Blackie. Roll one, seat one at everything. Well, I got a reputation to live up to. How'd it look if I sat way back in the second row? Marino <laughs> must be coming in. Say, wait till you hear what they hand Hogan the champ. Say, how are things down on Center Street? I hear you're the guy who really runs the district attorney's office. I wish I did. I've just been handed the toughest assignment. Uh... Hogan must have come in. I've been meaning to call you, Blackie. Do you know anything about a West Side hoodlum called Pants Reardon? Yeah, I know everything about it. Well, I've got an indictment against him. First degree robbery, and I can get a conviction. But everybody's putting pressure on me, even the biggest boys in the party, to go light on him. Let him take a plea of third degree. You're not going to do it. You don't play ball with them drafters. You never have, and you're not going to start now. I know that, but if I could only figure out where the pressure was coming from. Fight must be on. Don't worry your head about where the pressure comes from. That guy's got him fixed right up to the angel Gabriel. Now, you're getting it from everybody down the line, but you're going to fight it. Jim Wade is the one guy money don't talk to, and he never will be. Yeah, just listen to how you talk. Remember that old saying about practicing and uh, preaching? Yeah, listen to me, pal. You're big stuff, see? Me, I'm the flesh, and the boy with the ready money, but you're going places. Yeah, but where? I'll tell you where. To a great big house in Washington that's all done up in white paint. Hey, you're a cinch, kid. You're on the level. Everybody knows it. That's what pays off in the end. So you're not going to let them political sharpshooters shove you behind the eight ball. You try it, and I'll personally butt you right in the nose. Ha <laughs> ha! You never saw the day you were big enough. Which reminds me, how about watching Mr. Hogan push Mr. Perino around? Yeah. Say, what are we going to get together again? Been weeks. Well, how about tomorrow night? Saturday? Oh, I can't. It's the biggest night in the week for me. How Sunday? No, Bar Association. Well, Monday, then. I'm starting the Reardon trial Monday. I'll tie me up every day and night for a week. Oh, well, I'll give you a ring. Oh, that's how we always wind up. What's the matter? The fight must be over. Over? I wonder who won. Hogan. How do you know? I bet on him, didn't I? Oh. <laughs> hey, Private, turn the radio up higher. Okay, boss. Judge in the morning. And for District Attorney, Jim Wade, 180,516. Panker, 102,218. And here's news out off the press. Panker concedes his defeat to Wade. The new district attorney of New York, Jim Wade. And now for further news of the national... Yeah, that's enough, driver. Turn it off. Good old Jim. Say, you know, Eleanor, that fellow's bound for the White House. 
Yeah, which reminds me. I promised to meet Jim at half past 12. It's after that now. We were going to celebrate his election. Say, listen, honey, you've got to do one big favor. Now, me. that's out. This is once you don't pick on this little girl. Entertaining your gunman pals is bad enough, but politicians, no thanks. Yeah, but you've got to, honey. Jim's my best friend. He'll probably be out in front of the city hall waiting for me. Hey, you've seen him. Yeah. Well, take him to the cotton club. I'll meet you there. i got to get uh, Eddie Morgan and give him a chance to get all his dope back. Oh, all right, Blackie. And so ends the reading of this week's success story. Send in 25 cents for our little booklet telling how Jim Wade does it in 10 easy lessons. <laughs> so, this is the Cotton Club, huh? Yeah. Well, I finally met Blackie's little white god. <laughs> Should I uh, flap my wings for you? No. Would you like to dance? No, let's, let's talk some more. Well, it's three in the morning. Do you think Blackie will show up? No, I doubt it. I've waited for him before. Well, when you see him, say hello to him for me. Tell him I'm sorry he couldn't make it. All right. And when Blackie talks to you now, well, I'll know what he means. <laughs> uh, perhaps I'd better take you home. All right. Let's go, Mr. Wade. Uh, Jim. Jim. Oh, Blackie. Blackie, wake up. asleep waiting for you. So where's Jim? Did you have a nice time at the Cotton Club? Me? Oh, I'm sorry about that, honey. Uh, well, I was away ahead and I couldn't quit. I had a marvelous time. Yeah, I knew you would. Do you good to go out with a gentleman like Jim once in a while? Do me good. He spoiled me. He opened doors for me, Blackie. Helped me in and out of the car. Imagine. He was like that all night. He stayed right with me. No table hopping, no making dice out of the sugar cube. What? He, he wouldn't even kiss me good night. He even thanked me for being with him. Yeah, that sounds kind of dull. Oh, I wish I could get just one dull evening like that out of you once a year. <laughs> you couldn't stand it. Too rich for your blood. Blackie. Hmm? Have you ever figured any further ahead than 15 minutes? Sure. Right now I've got best of the World Series next October. Oh, I don't mean that. I mean us, you and me. Have you ever imagined where we might end up? Say, Jim must have had a terrific effect on you. Terrific. I saw so much I haven't got and want. Security, consideration, a shelter. Blackie, some place to get in out of the rain. I only tasted them tonight, but... Well, I got enough to know that I want them more than anything else in this world. You trying to make an honest man out of me? Why not? It's been done. You love me, don't you? Sure. Sure I do. And I love you. Oh, Blackie, let's live like human beings. Let's quit running around like a pack of wolves. Let me have what I want. Marriage, you know. You're home. talking a lot of hooey. That little place with the roses around the door, babies, stuff like that. You're not the type. You'd go crazy. Blackie, that's not Shut true. Shut up and let me talk. You got a big load of Jim tonight. Outside of these crazy notions, it was probably good for you. But get this. Jim's as much out of your class as he is out of mine. I used to get ideas listening to Jim, too. Ideas about being something. But I forgot them because they're not my stuff. I'm going home. Blackie. Yeah? Bye, Blackie. What's this? Now, honey, don't be silly. I'm not silly. I was once, but I'm all right now. I know what I want, and I know where I want to go. You see, Blackie, up to a minute ago, I loved you very dearly, and all that really mattered to me was you. But right this minute, uh, well, I can't even remember having been in love with you. Goodbye, Blackie. You mean that? 
Yes. Okay. Goodbye. I've ever had. And Eleanor, what you told me about Blackie, you're sure there's nothing anymore? Oh, no, it's all gone, Jim. It's dead, buried, and forgotten. Blackie's nothing but a swell guy that I once knew. Well, then? Well, then, what? Well, then, Happy New Year, Eleanor. Happy New Year, Jim. June 16th. Jim Wade, District Attorney, Wes Eleanor Jones. June 26th, Jim Wade is nominated for Governor of New York State. Eleanor. Oh, hello, Blackie. Oh, I saw you eating alone here, so, well, I thought I'd come over and say hello. So what you doing eating alone? Sit down, Blackie. Hey, you look worried. Are you, are you happy? You mean with Jim? Very. Yeah? Well, then what's wrong? It's about Jim and, and you and me. Someone's trying to hurt Jim, Blackie, by, well, by bringing up your friendship with him. Yeah? He says he has proof that Jim's been shielding you and, well, you know the rest. Jim insists it won't hurt him in his campaign, but I've heard different. But it ain't true. A lot of mud drawing ain't gonna help Jim. Say, who is this guy? Guy. His name is his name is Snow. He has a grudge against Jim, and he's waiting until just before the election to spring everything. No. Yeah, I know him. Sure. Sure. Yeah, well, I'll look him up. Maybe I'll talk to him. You know, Jim's headed for the White House. He's square. Well, give my regards to the big shot, will you? Snow, Great game here at Madison Square Garden tonight. Yeah. Go out and get me a pack of cigarettes, will you, Porter? You can keep the change. Oh, yes, sir. Hello, Gallagher. Hello, Snow. What's on your mind? Better be important getting me in this room in the middle of a game. There never was anything more important to you, Snow, than being here right now. What is this? Say, isn't there anybody in here but us? Only us. Gallagher, what are you going to do? Just a little favor for a friend. Eleanor, you're crazy coming here to the jail like this. Suppose somebody spotted you. Now, I can just see the headlines. D.A.'s wife and secret visit to Slayer. That'd look fine. Oh, Blackie, I had to come. I've got to know. Did you do it? What do you think? I don't know what to think. Well, you've known me a long time. Ever known me to bump off a guy? No, but, well, this is different. You love Jim? More than anything else in the whole world. Lucky I never knew what love was until I met Jim. You see, now, if you I... love Jim so much you want to see him, Governor, keep quiet. Mr. Attorney, remember that. You tell him about that day we met in the restaurant and he'll give you get you on the stand. Then where is he? But you, this means your life. What's my life? Now listen, you keep your mouth shut. You know, Blackie, for a while I was almost ashamed that I ever loved you. I'm not now. I'm proud. Yeah, that's fine. I think you're okay, too. Time's up. Yeah. So long, Eleanor. Goodbye, Blackie. Gentlemen of the jury, in finding Blackie Gallagher guilty of murder, 
We are faced with more than the avenging of one death. We are faced with a choice which we must make. Either we can surrender to an epidemic of crime and violence which will destroy our homes and community, or we can serve warning to the host of other criminals and gangsters that they're through. Many years ago, when an excursion boat burned, I made a boyish attempt to save Blackie Gallagher's life. Today, I demand his death. We, the gentlemen of the jury, find Blackie Gallagher guilty of murder in the first degree. I'm sorry, Blackie. I had to do it. Okay, kid. I can take it. And you can give it out. So long. Thank you, Clark and Florence Rice. Whenever we think of great poetry, our minds inevitably turn to the masters like Keats, Browning, or Shelley, and never to music. We seem to forget that some of our lyric writers are really fine poets. One such famous poet is Irving Berlin. Judy Garland now brings us one of Mr. Berlin's loveliest poems set to one of his most glorious melodies, How Deep is the Ocean, which Judy sings to mothers everywhere. much do I love you? I'll tell you no lie. How deep is the
Why, Una Merkel. Uh, I'm uh, glad to see you. Oh, well, I'm glad to be here, Bob. Mm. I always have such a lovely time with you. You're always so considerate and thoughtful, and I've always liked you and kind of looked up to you. And, oh. Well, I'm always thinking about you, and then, of course, I heard that Clark Gable was going to be here, too. Oh, but uh, you're always thinking of me. Oh, I surely am, Clark. Mm. Uh, I mean, Bob. Well, where is Clark? Now, wait a minute, Una. Have you got another one of those articles up your sleeve? Yes, I have, Bob, and I know you're just going to be crazy about this one because I made it up all by myself from an idea that you gave me. You remember you said you'd like to write an article, What I Think of Una Merkel? Yes. Well, I thought it was a wonderful idea, but I decided I'd rather have Clark Gable write it, so I wrote it. Uh, You decided you'd rather have Clark write it? Yes. So you wrote it? Yes. Mm -hmm. I, uh... Suppose you'll sell it to Collier's Weekly, and it'll be printed in the New Yorker. Oh, no, no. We're going to have it printed right here in Los Angeles. I love it out here, don't you, Bob? You meet such nice people. Uh, where's Clark? Now, listen, you know. One of the jobs I'm supposed to do on this program is keep the stars from being bothered by interviewers. I'm sorry, but you can't talk to Clark Gable now. Oh, dear. Well, Bob, in that case, I'll just have to let them print the article the way I've written it. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, Clark! Clark! Yeah, what is it, Bob? You better come over here and defend yourself. I'm leaving right now before the sparks begin to fly. What is it? Oh, hello, Una. Hello, Clark, darling. (laughs) I heard you just now when you were acting in that perfectly lovely sketch, Manhattan Cocktail, and I thought of it. Manhattan Cocktail? It's melodrama. Oh, well, what if it is? Some people like comedy and some like melodrama. You know, all I'm trying to tell you is it's not Manhattan cocktail, it's Manhattan melodrama. Well, it doesn't make any difference. I never drink anyway. Uh, You know, what I really wanted to talk to you about was this article that I've written. Oh, it's a wonderful idea, and I'd just like to get your approval on it. Yeah, sure. What is it? Well, it's an article called What I Think of Una Merkel by Clark Gable. It sounds interesting, if true. Oh, well, it's interesting. You want to hear it before I send it to the publisher's clerk, darling? Yes, I think I'd better. All right, here goes. Quote, Here's the real lowdown on what I think of Una Merkel. Una was born in one of the most aristocratic counties of the Old South. And to coin a phrase, Una was born with a silver spoon in her mouth. And a mint julep in her hand. Oh, no, no, indeed. It was my father had the mint julep in his hand. You know, he went through a terrible strain before I was born. I imagine he's been through something since, too. (laughs) He surely has. Do you know what the doctor said when I was born? Now, why bring that up? Well, Clark, how did you know? (laughs) Hey, look, Una, do me a favor and read me the article on what I think about Una Merkel before I write one myself. Uh, Surely, Clark. Well, let me see. Oh, yes. Quote. Eunice's childhood was the childhood of any high-spirited southern girl of gentle breathing, uh, very much like that of the famed heroine Scarlett O'Hara. She was naturally inclined toward acting at a very early age. Her southern background enabled her What's to... all this southern stuff, Una? What's that got to do with what I think of Una Merkel? Oh, well, nothing, but I thought it might help me get a part and Gone with the Wind. <laughs> I see. Well, it's too bad you weren't born in France. Why? Well, we could give Marie Antoinette a plug. Now, go ahead with the article. 
Well, I guess I'd better start right down here at the second paragraph. This first part's all about my size and age and weight and where Mr. Selznick can reach me if he still hasn't found a Scarlet or Harry, you know. Yes, oh, sure. Maybe you could throw in a little advertisement to sell your car, too. Oh, I did. Go ahead, Eula. All right. Quote, whenever anybody asks me who is my ideal girl, I immediately say Eula Merkel quicker than you can say Jack Robinson. Is that okay with you, Clark? I'll take Jack Robinson. <laughs> but don't mind me. Keep punching, Una. Quote, my friends have heard me say time and again that Una Merkel is without a doubt the most brilliant, charming, and beautiful young creature that ever walked the earth. Hold it, Una. Hold it. Isn't that a little immodest? Well, Clark, it would be if I were saying it, but don't forget you're the one who's writing this article. Besides, you know, it's not really what you call drawing the long bow, if you know what I mean. After all, this article should contain facts. That stops me. Read on, Una. Well, all right. Goes on to say, quote, I have tried many times to date Una up for an evening, but she's so popular I simply can't get to first base. Of course, she has a private telephone number, which she only gives to people that she thinks an awful lot of, and that number is just... You listening, Clark? I'm listening. <laughs> Una Merkel's private number is Bryant 97800. And you can call me any time after 8 o'clock. It's an interesting article, isn't it? I don't want any part of it, honey. You mean you don't like it so far? I mean I don't like it. That's not what I think of Una Merkel at all. Oh, well, what do you think of Una Merkel? You're bound to know. Yes. Hmm, shall I tell her? Tell me, what do you think of Una Merkel? Yeah, lean over, Una. I'll have to just... Oh, why, Clark, and give up writing? Yeah, positively. You know, and I think you can get a job as a cook in Mother Wilson's tea room. So long, Una. <laughs> and now, Ted Pearson. Thank you, Bob. You know, the other day I rode home in the bus behind two housewives who were discussing their favorite topic, their husbands. One woman said, One thing I can't seem to do is make coffee that John likes, and yet I've tried brand after brand. Well, you know, Helen, most men are terribly particular when it comes to coffee. I had the same trouble as you until I hit on Maxwell House. Friends, Maxwell House does make a marvelous cup of coffee. So if you've had trouble pleasing your husband with the coffee you serve, why don't you try Maxwell House? It's the one coffee most men like. They like its rich, mellow flavor. They like its full-bodied goodness. They like that feeling it brings of deep-down satisfaction. Now, that's because Maxwell House coffee is a superb blend of coffees to begin with. Then it's packed in the super-vacuum can so it reaches you with all its flavor and goodness sealed in, roaster fresh whenever and wherever you buy it. We offer you Maxwell House in a choice of two grinds, the special drip grind for all drip and glass coffee makers, the regular grind for percolator or boil coffee. Because we know how important it is to use the right grind for the way you make your coffee. And then, we offer Maxwell House in one and two pound cans. If you use lots of coffee, you'll find it thrifty to buy the two pound size. So choose Maxwell House tomorrow. See if you both don't get more real pleasure from this coffee that's truly good to the last drop. Now Meredith Wilson opens the doors of our concert hall and invites you to listen to another in his series of the world's most beloved melodies. In the past few weeks, you've heard, among others, 
the world's most beloved piano selection, violin solo, and lullaby. Tonight with Judy Garland, our solo violinist, Margaret Hedges, and the Max Terre Choristers, Meredith presents the world's most beloved serenade, the serenade written by the immortal Franz Schubert.
Morgan of the Personal Escort Service. No, just a minute. Hey, Morgan, here's a call for that personal escort business. Oh, I suppose she wants Gable, too. I'm sick and tired of it. Here I work my fingers to the bone building up a business, and all they want to do is talk turkey. Gable, 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 Gable. <laughs> I've had enough of it. The whole thing is positively insulting. Give me that phone. Hello. Hello. Yes, you and Gable can go jump in the lake. What's that? I don't want Gable. I want Frank Morgan. Well, I don't... You... What? Oh, Say, Bob, what kind of a woman is this? <laughs> Hello? This is Frank Morgan, head escort. Well, Mr. Morgan, I'd like you to call for me at 8.30 sharp. Yes. Wear your evening clothes as we'll dine at the Trocadero, see yes. the best show, and make the rounds of the clubs afterwards. Well, that's wonderful. You understand you pay all the checks, of course. Oh, yeah? Well, I'll pay nothing. This is your wife, and it's about time you took me out, you cheapskate. Now get home here right away, or I'll send an escort after you. Goodbye. Yeah. Well, so long, fellas. I'll see you later. I got to go home and rehearse. Everything happens. <laughs> it's good news again next Thursday at the same time when the makers of Maxwell House Coffee bring you another star-studded program featuring Robert Montgomery, Maureen O'Sullivan, Mickey Rooney, Juna Merkel, Dennis O'Keefe, Hanley Stafford, Douglas McPhail, Frank Morgan, Fanny Bryce, and she'll sing too, and Meredith Wilson and his music. Remember, your ticket of admission is just your loyalty to Maxwell House Coffee, so be sure to listen in. In the meantime, go to the movies and take the family with you. This is Bob Young saying good night. See you next Thursday. This is Ted Pearson saying good night and good luck for the makers of Maxwell House, the coffee that's always good to the last drop. This is the National Broadcasting Company. This is KFI Los Angeles. For correct time all the time, wear a boulevard. See the new 17-jewel Lady Boulevard, only $29.75 at better jewelers everywhere.